Today, we're excited to share with you audio from the premiering episode of the Embracing Autism IRL in Real Life spinoff companion. In this video series, we interview guests from a variety of backgrounds who are all linked together through autism. From advocates to therapists to parents and autistic adults, this series will take a well-rounded approach to sharing diverse perspectives on autism spectrum disorder. Our guests are encouraged to speak freely and be their authentic selves when discussing controversial yet critical topics in the autism community. If you'd like to watch the full unedited video of our interview-style podcast spinoff, Embracing Autism IRL, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel of the same name and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Wish. New episodes release monthly. In today's episode, we interview Summer Wakar, founder of Kind Theory, on the topic of neurodiversity. We dive into topics to include the difference between autism awareness and acceptance, what's misunderstood about autism, tips for creating a better world for autistic and neurodiverse individuals, and what you can do as a parent of an autistic child to create a better world for your child. So without further ado, here's the interview. Hi, everyone. This is Leah McCabe from the Embracing Autism Podcast IRL spinoff. We will be interviewing today somebody who is very close to Autism Wish because we have partnered and that's very exciting. This is Summer from Kind Theory. Summer, do you mind just saying hello real quick? Hi, everyone. (laughs) So Summer began her career with Creative Learners. It's a small entrepreneurial venture, and this allowed her to gain unparalleled experience in educating a diverse range of children from multiple backgrounds. And parallel to working as an operations manager, Summer's also known as the founder of Kind Theory and for her efforts towards creating acceptance for neurodivergent individuals, as well as making this world more inclusive for them. And her mission is to make this world truly accepting of all developed and developing a connection between neurodivergent individuals, institutions, policymakers, corporations, and law enforcement to integrate the changes that are required to facilitate and empower autistic and otherwise neurodivergent individuals. So welcome, Summer. Thank you so much, Leah, for having me. We left the computer gremlins behind this time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having the patience to come back on, because I know it's not always smooth with tech. (laughs) Oh, you guys have Um, been amazing, so thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So today, I just am going to ask you a couple of questions. I would really like to get to know you and your mission and just dive a little deeper of your connection with our mission with autism and neurodiversity in general. The first question that I have for you, Summer, is if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Summer, starting with the name. I am a mom to two very handsome boys. My elder one is nine years old. My younger one is six years old. Ever since I was a kid, I was um, kind of a daydreamer, if you may say so. I had these special interests, but, you know, um, at that time, neurodiversity was not well known. But when I became a mom and I had my younger one, um, I started noticing that he had special interests and he was very much like me in certain things, but he was also a little bit different. His focus was very strong, but he had some social anxiety paired with a lot of other things. I found out that he is autistic. And uh, when I told everyone, I saw that there was a certain perception about autism. And so that's when I started working on kind theory. And I started working in the field of neurodiversity. So Kind Theory basically essentially was just a project that came into being. For me, it was just a mom working for her son. And at that time, I had no idea that I was neurodivergent as well. So, you know, it was a whole journey for me too. 
That's amazing. So you mentioned a little bit there about your son having autism. So what exactly has been your relationship to autism that brought you here? Is it just that relationship with your son that brought you to the world of autism? So, you know, if my son was autistic and if everything was fine around him, I wouldn't, you know, think about forming a whole project for that. But when my when I found out that my son was autistic, I was kind of different in the sense that I wanted him to be himself. I wouldn't want him to stop stimming if it wasn't harmful, harmful for him. I wouldn't, you know, want him to be forced to have a, an eye contact if it wasn't, you know, kind of you know, if it was absolutely needed for medical purposes or something else. But so I was kind of like, when he goes into these social environments, he's not accepted the way he is. And whenever somebody hears that he is autistic, the first thing that, you know, comes to everyone's mind is that autism is an illness. And I was not kind of accepting that because it is not. So my relationship to autism is kind of uh, in terms of advocacy because I wanted to stand up for my son, make this place kinder for him and make people understand what autism actually is and how people who are autistic can lead a very fulfilling life. What were some of the things that you witnessed that were kind of like those misunderstandings that you mentioned? And that's actually the night when kind theory kind of started to come into being. I went to this birthday party of a very close friend's daughter. And my son was kind of, he is sensory seeking. So he was kind of getting too close. And the children were getting intimidated by him because he's strong for his age. But he's very lovey-dovey. He's, he's, he's a cuddler. So one of the girls over there, she just told him that she doesn't like him and he's very annoying. And he came crying to me and he said, Mama, she broke my heart. And I think it's bleeding. And I was like, oh, my God. And I just um, that broke my heart. As a mom, I was kind of, you know, it wasn't the kid's fault. We have to understand that people are different. Every person is different. Apart from the neurological variations, every person is different in different ways. So we have to make people understand back to the basic lessons of life, being kind, practicing empathy and all of that. So if the parents don't know that, they won't teach it to their kids. And so I was up the whole night and I reached out to the mayor of our city and I was like, I want to start a program and I want to educate people on how to deal with neurodivergent individuals. And I was not expecting to hear from him because email was very emotional and was written as a mom. But he promptly responded the other day and he said, I'm on board. Whatever you want to do, you will have my support. So, you know, that's that was one of the incidents that I witnessed. There have been countless incidents, Leah, meltdowns in grocery stores, people's reaction to that. You know, it's it's just too much um, when you go out in a social situation. Obviously, if your kid it has a neurological variant like autism, they're going to have a reaction to that. If the other people, if they don't understand, then they are going to have a negative reaction to your kid's autism. So that's why, you know, I started doing all this. Wow. That's, I mean... That's a lot. I'm amazed that you went through the lengths to go talk to the mayor and everything. I would have been such a coward. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I get so I, nervous. <laughs> you know, the problem with me is ever since I was growing up, if something gets stuck in my mind, I just have to do it. But I, I always weigh in on the fact whether I'm in the right or I'm in the wrong. If I'm in the right, there's no stopping me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just went ahead with it. 
This actually goes great with like my next question. You mentioned just like the experience that your son had. So what do you think is possibly the biggest thing that is misunderstood about autism? I think the perception of autism itself is misunderstood. Autism is taken as a disease, as an illness, as a tragedy. And that in itself is kind of having a very negative impact on the children who are autistic. Because if even if an autistic child is non-speaking, even if an autistic child isn't making eye contact, they're taking all of the sensory stimulus around them. They're taking everything that's going on in their environment and they're, they're absorbing it. So if the parent is dealing uh, with autism as something that is a disease, that is a notice of doomsday or something like that, The child is going to absorb that and the child is going to think that he or she is incapable of doing anything in the world. Well, it's truly the opposite. Autism is a developmental disability. It is a neurological variant. It's just a different way how our brain works. Now, it does come with its limitations, but it also has certain characteristics that can be helpful in certain situations. So we just have to, you know, make people understand that autism is not a tragedy at all. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I've seen that a lot in the community, especially online. I see there's different reactions. Sometimes there's everybody like the parents that are very accepting and will do absolutely everything for their child. And then there's the ones that once they get the diagnosis, it seems like it's kind of like, yeah, tragedy. And it seems like it's a lack of education, I feel like, because a lot of times you are going off of what you hear in TV shows and movies, and there's a lot of miseducation out there or misinformation about autism, essentially. So I really appreciate you spreading the word. <laughs> but here's um, the thing, though. When, when a child is born, I, I feel like a parent has certain expectations on how a child should be. And that expectation is set by the society's expectation of what normal is. When a child is born different in a way that he has a neurological variation like autism or ADHD or dyslexia or any other variation, a parent has to understand that this is still the child that they love. However, they are going to have different support needs. So what the you know main aim should be is to give them the support needs that they require to be independent. That's what the parents should be focused on. Now, I do understand that it is hard it can get hard. It's Sometimes it's so hard that you just sit down and you don't know what to do. But at the same time, when you're in a hard position, your child is in a harder position. So you have to be strong for them. Absolutely. When it comes to autism acceptance, one of the challenges is kind of like the changing from the mindset of autism awareness to autism acceptance. Yes. And what have you felt or what has been your experience with the nuance between the two? You know, when I found about my son and I started working on kind theory, the first question that came to my mind was, you know, autistic kids grow up to be autistic adults. And I've never heard anyone in the media or in the movies or anywhere talking about autistic adults. There is nothing mainstream. So I went into the internet and I got in touch with autistic adults. And there was so much that I learned. Even I was just aware of what autism was, but I wasn't accepting of it at that time. And when I learned through them of what their support needs are, of what the system requires to be inclusive of them, to be accepting of them, then I realized that our whole, our entire world, globally, not just the U.S., you know, U.S. has a very good level of autism awareness. In other countries, even the awareness is very low. But U.S. is still starting at a very beginner's level of autism acceptance. So awareness is that they would understand what autism is. They would understand that this person has autism. 
But if the person starts stimming or displaying autistic traits, they won't be accepting of that. Kind of like when a child starts um, stimming in a classroom, he is, you know, asked to stop or sit down in the chair. That's kind of not accepting because a child's sensory need is to stim at that time. An alternative should be to give him a safe space to successfully stim so that he can get his sensory regulation. So kind of these little things, we're still, you know, that this is what we're working on, shifting from awareness to acceptance. And in your ideal world, what would acceptance look like? Uh, Acceptance would look like where all of us can just be ourselves. We don't have to worry about if we're not, you know, like I'm talking and I, if I focus on you, I won't be able to talk as clearly as I, I am talking right now. But if I, if I'm allowed to be myself, I can talk clearly and I can communicate it. So in a truly accepting world, I want everybody to have the freedom to be themselves. I want them to kind of be confident in who they are and accept themselves because here's what happens when the society, when the environment, when the system doesn't accept you, you don't accept yourself. You lose all your, all your confidence and you, you can't excel in life like that. So in order to su- be successful in life, you have to be confident in yourself. And that can happen only if there's a level of acceptance outside gaining acceptance of yourself also kind of relates to acceptance from your peers. Cause we, we always say like, Oh, you should love yourself for who you are and not care what other people say. And to an extent that's true, but also to an extent, it's still going to impact you. It's still going to influence you what other people say and think. So I totally understand that. Speaking of embracing autism, our podcast, so we named it essentially embracing autism for a very particular and obvious reason. But I just wanted to ask you, what does the phrase embracing autism mean to you? Well, I think from the way I look at embracing autism, it's a 360 degree acceptance of autism. So it's accepting autism with its limitations. It's accepting autism with all of its challenges. And it's accepting autism with all of its strengths as well. Now, every autistic person is different, right? And so all of them have different support needs. So their limitations and their characteristics and their traits are going to be different. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to understand how different one person can be having more support needs and having lesser support needs. So what's going to make it a little less difficult is if there was a 360 degree level of acceptance. You don't need to question if you have high support needs or low support needs. Every support need is available. That's when I would believe that we as a country are truly embracing autism. And if you could just give like one tip on how you can make the world a better place for the autistic and neurodiverse, what's the one tip that you would give my audience? Well, changing, you know, like we talked about earlier, changing the perception of autism in between your homes. It all starts at home. I heard your episode, Spreading Kindness. Your theme this season is Heart and Home. And I, I loved it because it all starts in home. It all starts at your own home. It all starts with you. Because if you don't change your perception of autism, then your child is going to develop the same perception. And they're going to, you know, kind of absorb the same energy. And instead of focusing on developing and understanding what their strengths are and understanding what their limitations are and understanding what their support needs are, they're going to be focusing on pleasing you and changing your perception, even if they don't say anything. So my tip for everyone is please, please, please change your perception of autism. It is simply a natural variant. It is a developmental disability. 
It has limitations, yes, but it also has traits. Every autistic person can live a fulfilling life. Yes, absolutely. And when you were speaking, it actually reminded me of this meme I saw one time that resonated with me. And it was basically saying how the parent's voice, like what the parent says to the child ends up becoming the child's like inner thought. So that that really spoke to me. And I feel like that's absolutely true when it comes to autism as well. Absolutely true. Yes. So if you could be remembered for one thing, obviously, kind theory is your passion and neurodiversity is as well. So I'm curious to know, what is the one thing you would want to be remembered by? I just want to be remembered as a person who just makes life easier for people. Just a simple thing. I want to make life easier for people. Just plain existing in this world is difficult. And I just want to make it easier, especially for neurodivergent individuals. I want to be remembered by that. Yes. I'm pretty sure you will be. I mean, you're already off to a great start. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Absolutely. So what is the most important lesson that you think that you've learned over the span of your career and your experience with kind theory so far? And I guess just your experience being a parent to an autistic child as well. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, let you on in this secret, but don't laugh at me. My most important (laughs) lesson comes from finding Nemo. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was watching Finding Nemo and I was during a time in my life where I was kind of facing a lot of difficulties in my career as well as my life. And Dory comes in and goes like, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. (laughs) And that's just kind of like I absorbed that in. And every time that I faced a hurdle after that, I was like, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. No matter what hurdle you face, no matter what challenge you have or anything, any failure, any critique, any person working against you, just keep swimming, just doing a little bit every day and you'll eventually get there. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because one of my favorite movies that really hits me like in the feels is Finding Dory. Have you seen the sequel? No, I haven't. (laughs) Oh, so I don't, I don't want to spoil it for you, but in the sequel, it follows the story of Dory. Okay. And it, for me, it hit home so much about autism because you really see Dory's struggles and you see the involvement of the parents in her childhood and like how much they loved and cared for and never gave up on Dory. And that to me was like super emotional. I will admit, I cried in that movie. Oh my God. I have <laughs> to see it. I have to see yeah. it. If you watch it, just make sure you have tissues because to me, it was very emotional specifically. I mean, it was emotional before I knew about my children's diagnoses, but like after you have that diagnosis, it hits home so much harder. So I definitely would recommend it. But again, have the tissues. <laughs> I, I will keep a movie night tonight then. <laughs> So we mentioned a little bit about a tip that you gave in terms of making the world kind of like a more neurodiverse, friendly place. But aside from that, what is just like one general tip that you would give to parents specifically when it comes to raising an autistic child? You know, one thing that I've been a part of the parents community as well, I have seen that a lot of parents are only looking at the medical model of autism which is fine if they balance it with the social model as well. If they consider that these kids are going to grow up into adults and they listen to what the autistic adults are saying. So my tip to the parents would be is to broaden their you know, vision and to get in touch with some of the autistic adults and see what helped them. Maybe that would help their child better. 
Another thing that I would want all parents to do is to kind of explore what neurodiversity is, because that would help them change their perception of autism. So neurodiversity is a modern way of understanding diverse neurological conditions, such as autism, dyslexia, ADHD, as a natural part of humans. So if you understand the concept of neurodiversity, and if you see all these autistic adults going out in the world, accomplishing things, A lot of parents, when I talk to them about this, they say that, well, they may have low support needs or, you know, a sign of functioning label, like they might be high functioning autistic. It doesn't matter, you know, as long as a child is given support needs that they require since the very beginning or whenever, you know, they can provide them, they're going to come out and they're going to live their life independently and they're going to be successful in their own way. There is no one definition of success. So I think understanding with neurodiversity and, you know, going into it into detail, I would suggest they should visit pivotdiversity.com. It is an excellent resource for understanding uh, neurodiversity and it would help them understand that autism is definitely not a tragedy. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share? Yes, I do have some resources for all of our followers. Those resources will be available on uh, your website as well as ours. our website. We will upload it on social media as well. These resources are slowly developed for the followers of Autism Wish. They will include some of social stories, executive functioning help, and other things that I believe will be truly helpful for all the parents out there. So I just wanted to share that. Keep an eye out for all of that. Awesome. And I will send that out as well to our mailing list too. So if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, go to autismwish.org and sign up so that you'll get these goodies. (laughs) So Summer, this has been great. I really appreciated you coming on the show. Where can my listeners or viewers find you online? So we have uh, currently um, our own website, which is www.kindtheory.org. They can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page on Kind Theory ORG. We also have a Facebook community group, which is facebook.com backslash group slash Kind Theory. And we also have an Instagram, which is kind.theory. So just shoot us an, a message, click a like, send us a comment, anything, and we will be there for you. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming today. I really enjoyed this conversation with you and hopefully we will meet up again in the future and maybe chat again. Yeah, I would look forward to that. Thank you so much, Leah, for having me. This has been the premiering episode of Embracing Autism IRL, our video spinoff series. Make sure to visit our channel on YouTube by searching for Embracing Autism IRL to catch this video and others every month. Stick around as we drop the trailer for season four next week. And follow us on Facebook at Autism Wish to catch our season finale live Q&A session. If you need support, don't forget to join our virtual parent support group that meets monthly. You can find this and other resources on our website at www.autismwish.org and by navigating to the resources tab. This is Embracing Autism. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.